Welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Terry and I could eat pizza forever. This chat is with Joe Wilson and Hina Le Moana who share their journey to create the beautiful short film Kapaimahu. Kapaimahu reveals the story of the healing power of four mysterious stones found on Waikiki Beach in Hawaii and the legendary dual male and female spirits within them. This is a film that brings some awareness to a piece of cultural heritage of the indigenous people of Hawaii and it's narrated in the only form of Hawaiian that has been continuously spoken since prior to the arrival of foreigners. Now a little bit more about Joe and Hina, they have both received multiple recognitions for their work in film. Joe has received an Emmy and a Glad Media Award to name a few for his work in short film and documentaries covering top Topics that explore oppression and empowerment among gender and sexual minority communities. Hina is a native Hawaiian teacher, cultural practitioner, and filmmaker who has received a National Education Association Human Rights Award, Native Hawaiian Educator of the Year Award, and White House Champion of Change Award for her film work. In our chat, they're going to share the story behind why and how they made Kapaimahu and the impact they hope it has. So without further ado, now let's just jump right in. Hi, Joe and Hina. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on this podcast. How are you? How are you both doing? Aloha. Aloha, Terry. Um, I am doing well. Thank you for having us. Mahalo. Agreed, Terry. Aloha. Thanks for having us. It's great to be on. Aloha. Yeah. Well, uh, do you want to maybe both take uh, just a moment to introduce yourselves to uh, people who are listening? Hi, mahalo. Wang Kalu, uh, um, it is a pleasure to be here. My name is Hinale Moana, Wang Kalu, Mahalo. And aloha, I'm Joe Wilson. I'm part of a filmmaking duo, my partner in life and filmmaking, Dean Hamer. And I uh, have been working in documentary films for about 10 or 15 years or so and ended up uh, here in Hawaii and meeting wonderful Hina Lei, uh, about 20, 2011, I think it was. So this is, this is quite the journey. So yeah, we're talking about the film that, you know, just came out this month called, I, I hope I don't mispronounce this, but Kapa, Kapa Mahu, Kapa Mahu, is that close? Kapai Mahu. Kapai Mahu, thank you for correcting me. Yeah, it's, it's so I watched it, it's absolutely beautiful film. It's got a, a very great message behind it too. I'm wondering if you can kind of give a synopsis of it for those who, you know, might be interested in, in seeing it. Mahalo, Terry. This film speaks to several things. One, the importance of honoring the history the culture and the language of this place that I call home, islands of Hawaii. And it's myriad of stories that are our history. They are our anchor to our ancestors and they are the pointers and, and directions to our future. And this story has many elements among which include understandings of duality in life and that four marvelous healers came from our ancestral homelands in, in the, the South, the South Pacific, the lands of Kahiki or Tahiti as we call them. And they brought with them the knowledge of healing. And this understanding of healing came in several ways 
but what was most profound is that they impacted the lives of the people so much that when they when they left the people remembered them and memorialized them with um, profound stones that remain for us to behold today. Nice, yeah. I mean, um, the story is is a very interesting and, and absolutely beautifully animated way of telling that. I had never heard of of this story myself, and I think it's a great way to kind of share that. Um, so you mentioned, you know, you met Joe back in 2011. Is that kind of when the journey began to start creating this story in animated form? Or maybe you can give me some of the history of why you chose this story specifically and, and how it came to be from a, you know, a production standpoint. I'll let Joe speak on how we chose this story, actually. Go ahead, Joe. Okay, so um, 10 years ago, Dean and I were working um, on an outreach campaign for another documentary film that we had made about fairness and equality for people in the continental US. And that campaign brought us to Hawaii. And it was at some community conversation we were having about these issues, you know, what, what, what we can do together to kind of address things and reduce prejudice, et cetera, where a friend, a mutual friend introduced us to Hina. And in that conversation, Hina introduced us and many other people in the room to the concept of uh, uh, the Hawaiian perspective essentially on these themes and these issues. And that day was really the beginning of a journey that um, we forged together as Hina uh, eventually invited us to see more about these issues through the lens of her own life. Um, we ended up making a documentary film about Hina called Kumu Hina, which means teacher Hina in the Hawaiian language. And in the making of that film, one day we happened to be in Waikiki and Hina stopped and uh, did an ole or a chant at these four magnificent stones that are perched right there in the middle of this busy tourist place called Waikiki. And afterwards she asked us, do you know what these stones are or what they mean? And we knew nothing about them as did virtually no one on the beach, right? No tourist knows this story because the story isn't fully told. But it set us off on years of research, actually, to learn about this mo'olelo or this bit of Hawaiian history that has essentially been hidden from view, which has been a great shame, which we can talk about a little more. Um, but throughout the years of that research and continuing to talk with Hina, we imagined how might we bring this story to life in a way that honors what it really represents. And that was really the beginning of our journey uh, and how we headed into the animation realm. So did you decide that animation was the best way to, to tell this story or, or did you kind of explore other options too in, in kind of sharing this? Um, well, yeah, we kind of battered around. I mean, I think, you know, we, making documentary, we knew that this, we are actually making a documentary as we speak that incorporates the, the animation because we wanna 
peel away the layers of the history of how this story was repressed and hidden for so long. But I think it was really Hina's idea um, to try to tell this story and reveal it to the world in the way it might have been heard and seen hundreds of years ago. And for us, obviously, the only or the best way to do that was to have it rendered visually in the most beautiful and authentic way we possibly could. And if you've listened to the animation, you've heard it narrated in Ni'ihau, a version of Hawaiian that, that Hina speaks and that we believe is the only form of Hawaiian that wasn't broken by foreign, foreign presence here. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty incredible. I did, after watching the film, I went and, uh, you know, I wanted to know more because I had never heard this before and it was told in such an interesting kind of rich way, I guess. Now that now that the film is is fully realized and you said you're incorporating into a documentary, what is uh, I guess do you have success goals? Like obviously you want to tell this story and and reach a lot of people, but what would you see as success for this project for you? What do you think, Tina? The success for me will be that it is received by my fellow Kanaka, my fellow Hawaiians and that they would look upon this film as something positive, as something uplifting, something perhaps to inspire, maybe even to inspire others to start to be the storytellers that our Polynesian people are known to be. The coming of foreigners to our shores and the suppression and the alienation of our people from our language at the, at the hands of, of the foreigners who sought and gained control. That uh, suffer, that, that nearly severed our connection with our ability to be storytellers. However, um, with each passing year, we find ourselves engaging these stories once more. And so it's up to us to, to tell that. And I think that that's the mark of success for me. It may go around the world and it may be recognized. It may gain accolades, perhaps win an award. But the truest reward for me is that it would heal the heart of just one person and that it would serve as an inspiration for someone. Hmm. Yeah, a lot of the projects we make, um, and we've done now a number, this is like the fifth or sixth project I think we've worked on with Hina as you know, a collaborative team. You know, there, there are stories that are really close to our hearts and that we hope um, really reach people in significant ways. Um, you know, their educational tools or tools for activism and advocacy. I think in this case, um, since this is such a uniquely Hawaiian story, it's important that we bring the different perspectives to what happened to this story. And as Hina has articulated, you know, it's so important for her to tell it from the Hawaiian perspective and for it to be seen in its fullness in that way. And I think for Dean and me, what we really wanted to help do as foreigners here in Hawaii is start to peel back the layers of how the foreign presence over the centuries actually has uh, had an impact, you know, mostly often 
not not very good impacts on at least Hawaiian culture and the Hawaiian people. So in doing this, I think it's a way of revealing um, how, how to say enough is enough essentially. And when people are denied the right to see and understand themselves from their own perspectives in their own land through their own language, it has a devastating impact over the generations. And you know, we think this is one of just a number of amazing things that are happening in Hawaii across all arts, culture, um, political landscape that is rebuilding, you know, that place. There's a, I think this is like the third Hawaiian Renaissance that's happening now where there's enormous numbers of Hawaiian speakers, you know, kind of growing up now and people articulating their own histories in their own ways. So we just want to be a part of that and hope that it goes far and wide. Well, I, I love those goals and, and, and even those that kind of came across when I watched the film too. And even as you said, you know, how it's, uh, you know, how foreigners have impacted in modern times. I think you married that very well in the animation and storytelling itself. I'm wondering as, as you're talking about this, I, there are tons of stories um, from all over the world of, of, you know, that are similar to like, like this. How can somebody, uh, like, I guess from your perspective, what did you have to go through to get this made? You know, there's the story that exists in one aspect. And then at the end of this, you have a finalized project that you can share and, and put out into the world. You know, what's the hardest part of getting that made? Obviously you have to go through, you know, producers and financing and styling and, all, and you know, getting the story right and research and stuff. How do, how do you make that happen? Like say I'm sitting at home right now and I wanna tell a story similar to this. Where do I, where do I start? <laughs> You know, maybe uh, should I start with that, and then I think it'll come into where I like just asked twenty-five questions. Yes, it's a lot of questions, but it's a good one because we, I think, you know, we struggle with that ourselves, right? And I think, as Hina will probably talk about soon, there is no one version of any story, um, but our version came to be um, what well, was aided significantly after Hina introduced us to the stones and, and the story itself. And then when we started doing research, um, we went to the University of Hawaii archives and we actually found the original handwritten manuscript from like 1905 of the only documented version of the story. This is an oral history, right? So it's told orally. But a, um, a person who was well um, known in uh, Hawaiian noble class in the late 1800s um, happened to convey this story to an important documenter of, of Hawaiian histories. And we found that version of it. And that script then became the basis for the script that we worked on with Hina to articulate this and bring it to life with our animators. So did you, um, once you had the script, did you, I guess, kind of create like a pitch, a pitch, and then take that to get financing for this project? Yes, we're very lucky that here in Honolulu, there's an organization called Pacific Islanders and Communications, which is an arm of the funding arm for PBS content in the United States that focuses on Pacific Islander culture and stories and and. Um, creatives and um, they have been very supportive to us on a number of other projects and and they came on board with this one as well. That's that's very helpful. What was the I guess most challenging thing through this whole process because you know you went 
you've talked about how this is a decade experience and and now it's kind of kind of uh, I guess not over, but you know you you uh, have launched the actual project. What are you thinking now? Take it for a minute, Joe. I guess you know I think any anybody that's putting creative work forward might tell you um, you kind of know when the time is right to bring something forward. And we had been working on a lot of different projects that touched on all the themes that um, are in this work as well. Um, but they're just, I don't know, there was, there was something kind of going on, I think, in the world that kind of centered us on bringing this story forward at this time. And ironically, it emerged just as the world was being consumed by a global pandemic. And I think what Hina talked about earlier, it, the, while the story centers on how healing and the healing you know, arts and practices and sciences were said to have come to Hawaii centuries ago, we also feel like reviving this story now, a story that has been hidden and a story whose truths have been denied um, here in Hawaii for way too long that helping to bring it back to life now helps, I think healing in the, healing in the larger sense as well. It's helping us to bring a lot of different things together in this time. Very much so, very much so. Gotcha. I'm wondering how, um, you know, there's tons of behind the scenes going on. How do you make connections with very talented people to uh, kind of come together and create a piece like this? Like when, when I experienced it, I was first of all blown away by, you know, the animation and then you get hooked into the story. And so I'm assuming there's, you know, there's the storytelling, there's people who are good at script, there's people who are good at animation, there's, there's people behind the scenes, you know, promoting it. How do you make all these connections? My colleagues, Dean and Joe, are far more connected in certain circles. So it's been a wonderful um, collaborative uh, working relationship because I'm able to lean upon and reach out to those individuals whom would be our cultural resources, our people to provide, for example, the music uh, to provide some of the narration and some of the culture insight and, and that level of support. <clears throat> and also connect us to people uh, like, for example, uh, right across from where the stones are located, one of our uh, very well-respected and, and cherished Hawaiian musicians uh, is in a position uh, down in Waikiki to support our work and is very, very um, you know, excited to, to help host uh, events surrounding that. So that's my role, but Dean and Joe are very well connected to people in filmmaking and are perhaps more savvy when it comes to getting our work out there into the world, into circulation, understanding um, how certain kinds of you know circulation venues and other kinds of support 
systems for filmmaking, um, they are far more versed on it. So it really is a good combination. You know, so, and sometimes um, the your younger listeners may be happy to hear that sometimes a cold call is really worth it. And so once we settled on the idea that animation would be really the best way for this story to come to life, we just started looking to see, you know, we are not, none of us are animators ourselves. We have great, I think, imaginations, but not necessarily the artistic ability. So we started looking at first other uh, animators whose work really inspired us. And one in particular is an animator named Daniel Sousa, who is Cape Verdean. Um, he's an Islander himself, and he's working in Rhode Island. So we just reached out to him and said, we love your work. He works um, he has worked a long time in bringing kind of legend and myth and in particular native histories to life in many different films. And we told him about this story and he said, I would be thrilled to work on it with you. And that became just an amazing collaboration. And even the figures, the characters in the film. I'm sorry. Um, the characters in the film, um, you know, the shapes, the way they move, the way they walk. Um, even the motions they use in some of the hula and or other kind of ceremonial activities they're doing. Hina actually, we filmed her um, kind of modeling these things for the animator to look at and figure out how he was going to bring it to life in the animated form. Nice, that's, that's really interesting. Um, I guess maybe as a, as a last question, just from you know, now, now that uh, the film's out there and obviously we're talking about it on this podcast, how much goes into you know, actively promoting your work once once it's made versus um, it organically taking off? Because I don't think people have a good perspective. People usually think, you know, you make something good, it, it should get itself out there. But uh, what I'm assuming and what you're going to say is it actually takes a lot of effort to, to get the story out there. So um, maybe you can speak to that a little bit. Yeah, maybe I'll kick that off, Hina, and then, um, yeah. We can tag team on that. But yes, I mean, anybody who's working in film, animation, et cetera, um, who wants to get the work out there needs to know that, you know, once the work, the product is finished, the real work begins. <laughs> I mean, we work as hard, if not harder, on all of these things. And that's mainly because we think, you know, our projects, we have messages that we really want to reach and resonate with viewers, you know, all over the place. So in this case, we do the film festival circuit. I think we've been in close to 100 film festivals now. Um, as I said, we have plans with this being part of a documentary film that's going to kind of, you know, multiply and amplify the audiences and the ways we'll get it out. This film in particular, I think, has potential resonance with younger and older audiences alike. So we'll be developing educational, you know, kind of programs and outreach with it. And another really exciting thing, the final thing I'll say is um, it caught the attention of an important institution here in Honolulu called the Bernice Pauahi Bishop Museum, which is the most important um, Pacific Island History and Culture Museum in the world. It's based here in Honolulu. And they invited us to work with them on designing and curating an exhibition around this Mo'olelo, its revival and all the themes kind of that are associated with it. 
So we've been working with them over the past, I don't know, six or eight months now. And that exhibition is still in the planning stages, but it'll launch here in Honolulu, hopefully when everybody is back vaccinated and going to museums in the summer of 2022. I was gonna ask next steps, but you know, you just shared all these exciting plans that are happening. So that's that's fantastic. Is there is as as we kind of wrap up, are there any things that you want to share about uh, you know your whole experiences with this film or the film in general, or just you know other people who may be listening to this and and feel inspired or or trying to find inspiration? For me, I am. I continue to be amazed at the journey that this. Um, that this project has taken me on personally. It has enabled me to honor those whom have given me the fortitude <clears throat> and the ability to speak in our native language, in the Hawaiian language, in the Nihau dialect of, of our people. It has given me a very, very broad platform to, to be able to put our, the voice of our people out to the world in a medium that is rather uncharted territory for Hawaiian language efforts, especially in terms of a film that is now world traveled. And speaking not about uh, 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 something that somebody just kind of whipped up out of their head, but actually based on historical elements that we acknowledge as a part of our history. And so that's just one aspect. Um, but I, I'm very grateful. I'm very, very thankful to be able to be a part of this work and this film has helped me way more than we have time to share here. But um, it's just reminded me that there's much work that needs to be done and that we must be diligent. We have to stay focused and we have to continue to see the betterment and the strengthening of our people, our community, our island, home. I have to keep that as my goal. Hmm. And maybe I'll just toss in there, Terry, real quickly at the end that if since we've been talking about this for a while, and some of your listeners and viewers may be interested how they could see the film. Yes. Um, we're really honored to be able to say um, it just premiered uh, on the Criterion channel um, this month. Um, which is really exciting for us. We're part of a collect, small collection of um, Hawaii-made films. And then for animators in the audience, um, you can actually see the film for free on a platform called the Animation Showcase. Students, people in the creative professions can go there. And we're, we're really, really thrilled to be part of the Animation Showcase because it has emerged as a strong predictor of um, the Oscar contenders um, for the animated short category over the years. And since Kapaimahu was fortunate to be the winner of three of the top prizes in the Oscar qualifying festivals, we're now kind of in that, in that field. And the chance for us 
to bring attention to this film through a course like that just really goes along with our goals of the film as Hina and we've talked about throughout the half hour here. Yeah, I, I saw that as well. And I was, I was very excited about that too. And I, I think it's definitely deserving. Um, well, do you have any final thoughts as we, as we wrap up? I really appreciate the opportunity, Terry, uh, to have been invited on your program and that we had yet another chance to share our, our perspectives and our insights on it, um, on our work. And I simply hope that when uh, the project continues on down the road, that it will bring um, great things in the days ahead for anybody who sees it. <laughs> well, uh, thank you very much for saying that. And also thank you so much for sharing, uh, you know, the, the incredible journey that you both went on to create this beautiful piece of, of storytelling. And uh, I'm very happy that we got to chat about it today. And, and uh, so th thank you for coming on. <laughs> um, Thanks yeah. so much for having us. And if you're listening and, and you want to check out the film, like Joe said, you can check it out on the Criterion channel or go to Animation Showcase on their website and see the film for free. Or if you want to learn more about the film, read a lot more about Joe and Hina and all the other wonderful people involved on the film and some of the history, you can go to Kapai Mahu. Did I say that correctly? Yeah. Kapaimahu.com. And I'll include all those links in the description of this podcast. So thank you so much for listening. And that's all for now. Okay, bye. Bye.